Hello and welcome to Quarter Time Podcast. I'm Lucy G. And I'm Lucy P. And we're here to bring you all the netball goodness you never knew you needed. Hello everyone and welcome back to another special episode of Quarter Time Podcast. We are back to discuss the Netball Super League signing window. How you doing Luce? How are you feeling? Yeah, feeling pretty good. We had a big week at the Netball World Cup qualifiers a couple of weeks ago, which was just amazing. We had such a ball. Check out our Instagram for various videos of me caught dancing. <laughs> And it's great. Now we're just getting into signing window mode, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's been so much going on in the world of netball as well, particularly down under. It's just so much to talk about. But we won't go into that now. Otherwise, we'll quite literally be here forever. So, <laughs> Luce, run us through what's coming up on today's ep. Okay, so first we'll be taking a look at how each team is looking for the 2023 season. And we have three super special interviews with Super League head coaches, Mickey Austin from Surrey Storm, and the newly appointed head coaches for Saracens Mavericks and Team Bath, Camilla Buchanan and Asha Francis. So this episode is basically a summary of everything you need to know about all the big player moves. So if you haven't been on social media we're catching you up right now on every <laughs> signing what's been going on and obviously we might do a few quarter time pod traditional predictions as well why not why not yeah so, i don't know if i asked you about that loose actually uh you didn't but i'm gonna roll with it so okay. we're all nice. good we're all good, we're good. <laughs> so before we get into the squads um loose do you want to give us a reminder on actually how the signing window works and what some of the key rules are Okay, so rules are clubs may have a total squad of up to 15 players, including 12 registered players and three training partners. Not all of the clubs announce who their training partners are. Some of them just announce them as one squad. Squads are allowed to sign two import players. That is non-UK players. So that's anyone who doesn't have a UK passport or an EU passport. These players cannot play in the same third of the court at the same time. All clubs must also adhere to the salary cap, which is, applies to 10 of their 12 registered players. We found out last year that we've now got two marquee players outside of that salary cap. If there's more info you would like on how the signing window works, there is actually a really good article on the VNSL website, which we will link to in our show notes. Uh, the NSL websites. But oh, we, sorry. <laughs> we will come to that later. <laughs> we should do like a, um, a a pound in the jar every time we do that. <laughs> go yeah, out for guaranteed. dinner at Christmas. <laughs> There's going to be multiple in there. Um, but I think as a whole, if I had to sum up the signing window for this season in one word, it would probably be the word shift. I think mm -hmm. there's just been so much movement and I think with that brings a, a big element of unpredictability. So I, I think shift is probably how I would sum it up. Yeah, I agree. I would say pretty wild, to be mm. fair, in terms of some of the moves, particularly, which we'll come on to. But there's been a lot of shuffling about. So I definitely agree with you. Over 60 changes to squad lists Ooh. in terms of ins and outs, which means an average of around six changes per team. Given that some teams like Dragons, Loughborough and Sirens only had three personnel changes, some teams have just completely gone hard on the makeover, particularly Leeds, Rhinos and Seven Stars, which are basically entirely new teams this year mm. 
Yeah, and I think another key talking point, along with all the player movements, is the number of new coaches as well. Across the league, we have five new head coaches, obviously Stars, Wasps, Rhinos, Mavericks and Bath. And two of the existing coaches are only in their second year in post, so Dragons and Lightning. So Mm. that's seven out of 11, basically like new, I I probably wouldn't say rookie, but new coaches. And I I don't know, a question for you, Luce, does this raise a bit of a concern about the the lack of experienced coaches that we have in our league? Or, you know, is there a question of, are we not not looking after our head coaches well enough? Why, Why have they all departed? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I think it's up to a lot of personal circumstances for each you know, individual coach and why they haven't chosen to continue. But I think it is about that retention. If we can now get this current group of coaches to stay for the next five, seven, eight years, then by the end of that, we will have a whole new crop of experienced coaches. I think it might be just a bit of a cycle thing that a lot of the coaches have got to a certain age where they now want to be prioritizing other things and family and things like that come into play. And now we've got like this new wave underneath coming in. But don't forget, some of our coaches are doing other amazing things. For example, Tracy Neville and Sarah Francis Bayman, who've obviously gone down under. So I think we have got the talent there, but we've got to look after these coaches now and whether that's an increase in salary, ideally, you know, would be great or just a better uh, sense of looking after them and well-being and, and making sure that, you know, these coaches, they get put in the limelight a lot more now. And maybe that's not what everyone necessarily wants so there needs to be more kind of media training and support for them in the background alongside the coaching stuff that they're good at I think as well don't forget it was uh who was I think it was Karen Groke who said that not all of the head coaching positions are full-time so you know I think if we can make them like full-time dedicated roles that are more attractive for people to come into as well that'll make a huge difference but with that obviously going to be huge changes to the league so it's kind of all tied up it's all interconnected it's like a big spider's web isn't it so the more professional the league gets the more professional the actual behind the scenes roles will get and the players contracts and it's all just uh, yeah big eaten mess yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think you raise a good point there about we talk a lot about player salaries and professionalizing from that side, but the coaches has to come alongside with that as well. Mm. And the umpires and everyone else, you know, to go on that journey. But it's also worth noting that we know that everyone in the league is on a one year contract this year. So mm. we can obviously expect some changes in the 2024 season. And while the coaches will ideally be looking to cement these squads and take them through in the coming years, it's going to be crazy. You know, at the end of this season, everyone's up for contract. It will be like open season, basically. And Mm. obviously most of you will have seen, as we mentioned, that Vitality are no longer the naming rights partner for the Super League. No announcement yet on who is replacing them, if anyone. So I guess that's, we'll just have to keep an eye on that. Yeah, very, very interesting that. Um, I'll be following that one with a keen eye for sure. Uh, So let's dive straight in and take a look at our teams. We're going to start in reverse finishing order. So starting with the wooden spooners, it's seven stars. Now, I think this is the team with the most changes out of everyone. They've got 13 new additions to the group. 13! That's mental. 
Uh, Katta of IT and Liana Leota have obviously moved on now to take up coaching positions and stars have brought in a really interesting addition of Joe Tripp as player coach, we found out. Um, she's obviously going to be coming out of retirement for that. She was a really tenacious player when she was with Mav. So really interested to see about how that translates into her coaching role. We know she's done a lot of coaching in uh, school. So uh, yeah, really looking forward to seeing her in action. I think the notable additions are New Zealand shooter Grace Namina, along with Ziggy Berger from Rhinos, Gabby Marshall from Mavericks, and of course, Jess Shaw as well in that midcourt from Team Bath. The thing that probably excites me most about Seven Stars is that defensive combination of Joe Tripp and Rebecca Airy, who has also moved over from Rhinos. Um, I think that could be a really dynamic and fiery defensive end. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that will be interesting. I think with so many changes, we won't be seeing stars in the top half of the table this year. But it's hard to tell because you never know how these combinations are going to go. But I think they're going to need a few seasons to really embed this new lineup. Yeah, I'd probably agree. Next up, it's Celtic Dragons, who finished in 10th place. So obviously the major news from them is the signing of Gabby Sinclair. We chatted to her a few weeks ago, so do catch up on that conversation if you haven't already. Gabby will replace the very sadly injured Lefebvre Radaman, who we saw go down at the Commonwealth Games. That was awful, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, wishing so her horrible. such a speedy recovery on that. Hopefully she'll be back in time for the World Cup, keeping everything mm. crossed. Apart from that change, the other one for Dragons is Nia Jones, who's moved to Leeds Rhinos. But apart from that, the squad remains pretty much unchanged. I think Danny's done really well, actually, to keep that group together. They showed a lot of promise last year. We saw how well quite a few of the names played at the World Cup qualifiers. Philippa Yarrington, Georgia Rowe, Hannah Layton, also Shaquanda over in the uh, uh, America's World Cup qualifiers. They have so much potential. I mean, Quanda was actually number one for turnovers and third for interceptions last season. So if they can really keep that ball through the midcourt, then I think they should be they should be doing pretty decently. Yeah, and those are some impressive stats, bearing in mind mm. that they finished 10th out of 11th. Like to, yeah. to come into the top when, you know, that's where you place, it's really impressive. And I, I, I'm so pleased with Danny. She managed to keep hold of Shaquanda because I imagine she was inundated with offers. Mm. So the fact that she decided to to back that team, um, I think is, is great. But the question for me will be about whether they have enough strength in that mid-court defence about Nia Jones. Like she is such a leader, both on and off the court. Um, and that is potentially a big hole for them. Yeah. And that's what creates those intercepts and turnovers, isn't it? Is that work being done out the front? Yeah, 100%. Uh, so moving on next to Wasps Netball. Uh, as many of you will have seen announced last week, Wasps Holding Limited have gone into administration, which is absolutely devastating for everyone. As we understand, there's a lot going on behind the scenes to try and make sure that the netball side of the club can still compete next year. So we are still going to take a look at the squad on the assumption that, you know, someone will swoop in and buy them up, fingers crossed. Uh, but of course, nothing is confirmed just yet. Their new head coach, Kat Tuivaiti, has made a number of changes, uh, including losing Christina Shaw to Mavericks and Iona Christian to Thunder. Now, that is a big loss in that midcourt. Mm. 
But the majority of the squad does remain. You've got the likes of your stalwart, Rachel Dunn. You've got Josie Huckle, Ella Powell-Davies. And they've managed to recruit Georgia Lees and Chloe Essam from Mavericks. Both good players who probably weren't getting the court time that I think they deserved or, or wanted. So some really interesting pickups, but I don't know if they have enough like real firepower. Yeah, I think it's kind of similar to what we said about them last year that I didn't that they didn't have quite the number of of really exceptional players, like a lot of good players, but no real superstars. And my concern is actually in that center position and whether they have enough depth there that was a problem area for them last season. And personally, I don't see them finishing too much higher than they did this year, given the strength in squads across the league. Yeah, I'd probably agree with you there. Next up, finishing in eighth this year, it was Strathclyde Sirens. So a largely unchanged squad, many of them playing together in the Scottish setup as well. Major losses, major, major losses Mm. in Gia Abernethy, who is retired, and Taylor McEvitt moving to Manchester Thunder, which is going to leave a bit of a hole in that midcourt. Gia was actually second in the league for feeds last season, ahead of Nat Metcalf. So mm-hmm. Sirens will really need to focus on how they're going to replace her in terms of that volume and work rate. We know she's such an engine in that position. Have to say, though, Beth and Goodwin has been going from strength to strength, and I think she will certainly be the starting goal shooter. The question will be around who she partners with. Sirens have also recruited Ugandan international Stella Oyela. We've seen her a lot in centre internationally, but it looks like they're going to play her at goal attack, which is interesting. Yeah, I'm so excited for Stella Royella. She's one of my favourite players from the 2019 World Cup and Com Games. I absolutely love her. So, yeah, so stoked to see her in the league. Personally, I think they'd be possibly better served by having her maybe more in that like wing attack position alongside sort of Beth Dix and Claire Maxwell, who I imagine will take up that, you know, starting centre bib. Um, but we'll just have to see about how they balance that. I think you're right, is that that is probably the the biggest hole for them. Mm. Yeah, definitely. We're going to move on now to take a look at Surrey Storm. Mickey was one of our guests for this week. So we chat to her about her new additions, about expectations and challenges in the season ahead. It is an absolute pleasure to welcome Mickey Austin back onto the pod. How are you doing, Mickey? Yeah, good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Very well. It's great to have you back. As I mentioned, we obviously did a player coach profile with you a bit earlier on in the year. And this time we'll be discussing the Netball Super League signing window. So lots to unpack. Firstly, then, before we get into it, how has it been for you overall? Yeah, I mean, I think the signing window for for anyone who's sort of a head coach, director of netball is always this weirdly fun, exciting, but also horrendous time period. Um, You know, no matter where you're at or how many of them you've done, like I think you'll speak to anyone and they'll tell you it's the worst part of the year because it is. It's super stressful and there's a lot of really difficult conversations that have to be had in a mix of, you know, some exciting ones as well. But um, 
yeah, I think they they marginally get a little bit easier every single year because you know what to expect and you're probably a little bit more prepared to deal with it. And, you know, I'll, I will absolutely never, ever forget my first signing window, that's for sure. And that was the most horrendous time period in existence so far in doing this job role. So compared to that, this one was a breeze, to be honest. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's always this weird paradox of really exciting things, but also some some really not very nice things all at the same time. Yeah, it's like going to the dentist a bit. It's sort of like you've got to do it, but it's not really that enjoyable. Yeah, kind of. And, you know, it's also just a really poor time period for everyone. You know, as a player, it's, it's, you know, human nature is you don't like uncertainty, right? So, yeah, as a player, it's always a really, a really terrible time of the year because you don't really know where you stand and there's a lot to hash out before things are sorted and you can actually breathe and that's no different to being you know a head coach or a director there's lots to unpick in in what is now you know a a really really imperative time period you know if you don't get that signing window right then the season is always going to be a real real struggle and as we see year on year teams really do bolster in that signing window. So, you know, we look at what we've done and we go, oh my God, we're super pleased and we're super happy. And then the teams gets announced and I go, I'm not sure there's a head coach that's sitting here that wouldn't say the same thing. So um, it's really important that you get that time period right. And I think that's probably why it's super stressful as a head coach and certainly as a director, because you're just so adamant that you want you want it to come off as well as possible in that that window, because, you know, otherwise you're facing nine months of, of, a, of a bit of a torrid time. Yeah, I mean, because that's your building blocks, isn't it, really? And, you know, it doesn't matter um, how good you are at building houses. If you haven't got the right bricks, you're not going to do it. I don't know where I'm going with all these metaphors today, by the way, but <laughs> we just roll with it. Yeah, um, no, you- but you're 100% right. You know, if you if you don't get that team chemistry right, and that's also a really hard thing to do when effectively that signing window opens the day after last year's grand final and then you're making these decisions and you're not going to see the athletes for the next couple of months. Mm. And then you come into training and the season doesn't start for another four months. So it's like you're making all of these really big decisions in a time scale that you're actually not going to have any touch with these players. And a lot can change in that time scale. You know, it's not like other sports where you may get another window sort of come jan- January or mid-season or anything like that. Mm. So, yeah, but I mean, you know, it, it's a, it is what it is, isn't it? There's, there's no avoiding it, unfortunately, regardless of you being a player a coach or or anything so it's just trying to make the best of of that situation um so that you can get your team dynamic where you want it to be for what you're trying to achieve yeah I just had a sudden thought about what if we had a mid-season transfer window but I think that's probably a whole nother podcast so yeah and to be honest I'm not sure I want to be the person that is is championing (laughs) that because one is stressful enough I don't need a second one yeah (laughs) Fair enough. And you've obviously been at Storm since 2018. And it was a bit of a baptism of fire in that first year, like you mentioned. And you've now had a few years under your belt. And I think you've stated some big intentions for Storm within the league and quite a lot of ambitions. Last year, you brought in some amazing additional firepower into the squad, particularly Proscovia Peace in that shooting end. And you ended up placing seventh. So after the performance of last season, what were your priorities when you were trying to recruit players this time? Yeah, look, I think I I can be the first person to recognise the growth that we went through last year. Um, And that's really important that we do acknowledge that. However, I'm a winner at heart. And this franchise's responsibility, my responsibility when I came into this post, was always to get this franchise back 
into finals contention, um, to be the franchise that people are talking about, um, to ideally make it back to a grand final and be championship winning at some point. So that that's always been the aim. We've never steered away from that. I've never lost sight of that. I think unbeknownst to the general public, we always knew that was going to be quite a lengthy process. And I was certainly under no illusion of how difficult that was going to be. I was 24 when I came into this opportunity, 25 when I did my first signing window. So, you know, we, we've learned a lot in, in the time since then. So, yeah, we knew it was always going to be a five-year process. And, and we spoke about that inwardly. And so it was no shock to us that the first few years were really hard and a bit torrid and it, it took us a while to lay some foundations about what we want to identify as and how we want to conduct our business and the brand that we want to be associated with. But I feel like we made some massive inroads last year in all of those things. We wanted to be competitive on the court, and I think we were. And I think, you know, our league placing at the end of the year probably reflected where we were, which was just a bit inconsistent, you know, there or thereabouts in pretty much every game, but sometimes just didn't have enough to get us over over the line. So. But while I acknowledge the growth and the improvement, you know, we we want to be final contenders. So you're not going to get me shouting about the fact that we finished seventh. Mm. Um, so for us, it was still very much business as usual. And, you know, midway through the season, we already start evaluating, OK, you know, where are we at? Where is the squad at? What really key positions do we think we need to implement in um, next season? How How is that going to look? So midway through last year is when our recruitment strategy started in terms of us sitting down or me sitting down and putting pen to paper around, you know, what what does that look like? Where do we want to bolster? And then typical me, stationary obsessed, we just started writing lists. And it was a bit like, okay, if if I had it, my absolute wish list, a standard gold star, it would be these athletes in these positions. Okay, if that doesn't come off, then it's going to be these athletes in these positions. If that doesn't come off, it's going to be, and so on and so forth, until we had maybe five or six different eventualities of what that might look like, depending on availability of players, um, fees that we had available to us at the time, you know, life circumstance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so by the time the signing window came around, we were really clear. We knew exactly what we wanted to do. We knew exactly who we wanted to get. And I think one thing that that people are aware of when it comes to Storm and me, I I, I operate on two, on two values and I, and I genuinely conduct my day-to-day life like this, nothing to do with netball. And that's hard work and honesty. And that resonates through everything that I do. And the signing window is no different. So when we're having these conversations with players from the get-go, they will always know where they stand. They will know what they're going to expect. You know, we we knew who we wanted and, and we knew what, what we had to make that an option. So it was like, we're not going to mess anyone around. This is what it is. Do you want to come and play for us? Mm-hmm. But for me, that was really important. You know, as much as we identified athletes that we wanted to be part of this franchise, you also have to want to be here and be part of it. You have to want to represent this brand and you have to want to be on the journey that we're going on together for better or for worse. Because as I said, we, we, you know, we was a mid-table team last year. So people aren't coming to us because we're winning. 
Um, we also aren't the most well-off franchise in the league. So people aren't coming to us because we have an endless pot available to us. God, I wish we did. Um, so it has to be about something bigger than that. It has to be about how we conduct our business, whether you as a person, not a netballer, fit into what we're doing here. Um, and that is really, really, really important to me. And I don't compromise on that just for netballing ability. And I think that's probably stood us in really good stead over the last couple of years. You know, that's why... People like Proscopia Peace wanted to be part of what we were doing here because it's generally a really, really nice place to be. And she feels incredibly valued. And, you know, I want to work with people like her because I value what she does on a netball court and who she is as a person. Um, and, and we want to champion that. We, you know, we don't we don't want to want to squash that. And I think that's contagious. You know, then then people here across the grapevine that, oh, you know what, Storm's actually a really good place to be. And, and Mick knows what she's talking about. So, you know, why don't you come along for the ride? And then all of a sudden we're in the position that we are in now, which is, you know, that that gold standard A list that I wanted, we have. So it's the first signing window that I've personally done that I've sat back and gone, this is this is exactly where I hoped we would be. In which case I have a real great sense of security that in this window, that's not to say it's going to go the way we want it to go, because that isn't a guarantee, you know, um, but you know, this signing window, I, we really did work incredibly hard to make sure we put ourselves in this position. Uh, and I'm super, super excited to bring the girls in and bring the athletes in and just see the team dynamic, see them work together. And, I think, and they're really excited, which which is great. You know, there's a real buzz around Storm at the minute. And, and, and I'm really proud of that. Yeah, I think a lot of fans sort of ears pricked up when you had, you know, the signings of SDL and then Gus Goth and then Amy Flanagan back in the mix as well. And you sort of think, OK, yeah, I see where this is going here. You sort of bolstered each third and you can get a real clear picture of the trajectory of the team and, and what you're looking for. And obviously now you've signed some of those kind of senior England Roses, obviously in, in Gus Goth. And we know that uh, Flanagan has a wealth of experience as well. And SDL really up and coming in that red dress. Do you feel that there is a greater expectation on you now to make top four, like coming from external forces, not your own kind of uh, individual ambitions? Um, probably. But to be honest, I, I, I'm not sure I'd blame them. <laughs> Um, but I think for us, like, and this is the way I look at it, you know, what we've wanted since I came into this role and probably since the people before me was for this franchise to be back in the position that we know it should be, which is a finals contending franchise. So we can't all be sad that that is now the expectation. You know, we can't have it both ways. Um, and everything's a headache, isn't it? You know, we've we've been through the headache of you know, having to compete and trying to find wins and, you know, wins being really hard to come by. You know, we've done that headache and I can assure you that's a really, really hard one. So now we have the headache of, okay, well, we've got personnel on paper. How do we translate that into team dynamic to now transfer the mentality within our group from competing to winning? But, you know, everything's a headache. So which one will we rather and, and the one that we're facing currently excites me a lot and it excites the players that we've got within our group. And, you know, as, as I say, like now it, it's great and, and there's a lot of buzz about our franchise and that's the object of the exercise, you know, regardless of what happens come February all the way through to July. Because, you know, wins and losses aren't linear, are they? We could play the absolute best game of netball on our day and still lose. You know, it, it's not guaranteed. that That's a whole nother kettle of fish. But... 
I think for us, it's just everywhere I've been since our team got announced, people want to talk to me about how excited they are. People want to stop me and talk to me about our recruitment and our retainment of players from last year. Um, And they want to talk to me about buying tickets and being really excited to see us play. And that is the whole point of what we've been trying to achieve since I came in, is that people want to talk about Storm. People are super excited about our potential. Um, And for me, like, that's a really exciting thing. So yeah, like it's not something I don't see it as expectation. I see it as a really exciting opportunity for us. Um, and that will be how how we we start as a team when we come into training. And, and hopefully that's going to run through everything we do. Um, but I also want to make a point on that. Like for me, the excitement wasn't just about the new players that we've included in our group. It was also about retaining the players that performed so well for us last year. You know, I know a lot of buzz has been around the players that we've recruited and rightfully so because they're they're world class in their own right but I think for me it was super important that we we rewarded the spine of the team that that did the bulk of the work for us last year and although we've had you know recruitment we've retained 80% of our team from last year and I think the major success in any team across any sport comes from your ability to keep the core group of that team together so um, it's that that I'm really excited about and it's just blending the dynamic of a couple of of new players in a, in a different colour kit um, but I'm really excited about that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, just looking here at the names, obviously Proscovia Peace, Frankie Wells, Sophia Kandapa, yourself, Yaz. I think there really is that sense of a core group that have come through those challenging years and they're now kind of on that upward trajectory as well. And what would you say that you've learned from last year's performance that you want to take into this season? I think for us, it's just about our potential. Uh, and we spoke about it a lot the whole way through last season. You know, we we knew last year on our day um, that if we was consistent enough, we would contend with anyone and not just contend with anyone. We could get results off of anyone. We was one of the only teams to take points off of the majority of the teams that finished top four last year. Um, and that wasn't a fluke. That wasn't just because we turned up one day and fancied it. It's because we we genuinely have so much potential within this group. So I think for us, it, it's going to be about continuing that potential from last year but as I say now the challenge is transferring that mentality you know it's all well and good just you know coming out of a game playing well and shrugging your shoulders that you lost that's a very different mentality to knowing that you should win and you have to go for the jugular in every single game it's almost like Manchester Thunder mentality of last year even on their worst day how do we find a way to win and that's almost what we now have to start transferring to. Um, now, sitting here right now, I don't know whether that can be done in a season. I really don't. That's the challenge that's set to us this year. Um, but I think for us, it, you know, we have to look at things in, in a lot smaller context than that. What I don't want us to do is to, is to look at our season as a whole now and go, right, July, this is where we need to be. And we just have to look at our fixture list, look at the team that we have, figure out that team dynamic in terms of everybody's roles and responsibilities. And then, okay, on a week by week basis, how do we make sure that on Friday we turn up and we're ready to compete as hard as possible? But but as I said earlier, you know, that that has to be something that we're excited by and not overawed by. Because, you know, although we've got a really good team on paper, there's still a a number of teams in this league currently that arguably the expectation should be on more than us 
you know, Loughborough Lightning are unchanged apart from one person and they made a grand final last year. So if I was a betting lady, that would probably be where my money should go. Manchester Thunder went 22 games unbeaten last year. Yes, they've had some changes, but they haven't had core changes. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of other teams, London Pulse, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so for us, it's just about that constant improvement. We we improved three league places last year. Great. Can we do the same thing this year? If we do that, we'll be there or thereabouts. This isn't about having to be the top dog across everything. This is just about us finding a way to win in every single game. Um, and, and I genuinely believe that that within the, the personalities that we've got in the group, I have no doubt that they're going to do absolutely everything they can between them coming into training for the first time this week um, and that first game in February to make sure they put themselves in the best possible position for that to happen. Yeah, it is really exciting. I think across the board, the league, there's been a lot of exciting news, new players, players moving, lots of moving and shaking going on, particularly in this signing window. And we know another change, of course, is that Vitality are no longer the naming rights partner for the league. And we can assume that there might be further changes over the coming years. Can you give us any insight into how you navigate those league-wide changes within your roles as head coach and director of netball? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, decisions like that are so far and above my pay grade. You know, it's just one of those things that we find out and we we navigate as a league the best we can. What I do know is there's some phenomenal people working behind the scenes within, within Netball um, Super League, championing our sport to make sure that, you know, although changes may happen, the league won't feel the impact of that and the product of our league, which was so fantastic last year, will we'll look and feel no different. And if anything, it's only going to get better. So, you know, in any conversation or meeting that, that we've been in or I've been in, you know, the, the, the outcome of that is just about how do we continue to grow the sport? How do we continue to, to push our league forward? How do we continue to, to be more reachable to a bigger fan base and a bigger audience and create a bigger game day product for the fans that come through the door, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it's one of those things. Sometimes you just have to have to roll with things as a, as a director of netball and head coach. And, you know, all of us are just, are just trying to navigate our own situations as best as we possibly can. So yeah, I mean, I, th- I think as 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 much as 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 that news has probably you know been spoken about quite a lot across the Twitter sphere and and the netball fan base, I think you know come February once it's all said and done and, and the product goes live and and people are back in the arenas again and, and watching Super League netball and following their team, I'm not sure it's going to be anything other than than a step up from last year, which is the whole object of the exercise. Yeah, no, I really like that use as well of the word product. I think that is where we're going and and where we've been building to kind of, especially post-COVID, looking at the sport as a whole package and, you know, what's on the court as well as what's off the court as well. But thank you so much, Mickey. It's been fascinating to hear your insight. I'm really looking forward to seeing how Storm go this year. Thanks so much for sharing the time. No, thank you. So, Luce, what do you make of that? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I mean, they've obviously retained Peace, Kandapa, Kwangwa, Middleton, and the three that they've brought in, SDL, Guskoff, and Flanagan, that has bolstered the side massively. Mm-hmm. And I really liked what Mickey was saying about she had a wish list of who she wanted and she basically got it. And I mean, Gus Goth topped the ladder for intercepts in 2023. Proscovia was the highest goal scorer in the league. I think there's a top four knocking on the door for a storm 
I think there should be a top four position knocking on the door. And I think they've done well to get to this point where she's been able to literally just recruit her wish list. But now it's a case of, right, you've got the squad to do it. It's Mm. the same as we've had with Mavericks every year. You've got the squad to do it. Now is the time to back it up and to execute it. So that is the key thing for me. It'd be really, Mm -hmm. really interesting. Next up, ending in sixth position this year was Leeds Rhinos. So, I mean, we might as well call them like Yorkshire Turtles because it's a completely different team. Uh, we've lost so many big names who ha- um, who've been in the inaugural squad, like Dixon, Keenan, Kindred, Hall, Rushton, and Clark. Liana Leota taking on that head coach role just sweeping that whole team aside and she's recruited far and wide for Mm. some replacements they have only three players remaining from last season in Brie Grierson, Michelle McGee and Vicky Oyasola. Caroline O'Hanlon from Thunder Mm. is a massive get for them with the loss of Jade Clark not to mention Elmeray Vanderberg and Nicola Smith from South Africa, Ellie Bird from New Zealand and Elle McDonald, who's joined the Roses programme after coming over from Australia. So there is a lot of big names in there and a starting lineup potentially of Bird, Vanderberg, McDonald or Grierson, O'Hanlon, Nia Jones, Oyasola, Nicola Smith. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty wild it's like she literally just put an ad in the paper saying any elite netballer who's got you know UK roots come on over like how they've managed to bring in all of those names is absolutely wild and a huge gets for them the concern for me from a player development perspective is for Brie Grierson because she really did flourish under Dan Ryan, didn't probably have as great of a year under Tracy Robinson, but for her Roses prospects and for that wing attack hole that we desperately need to fill um, after Nat Metcalf, I do wonder, is she actually going to get the court time that she needs with Elle McDonald there? I don't know, Uh, but I think it could be a really successful year for them if they can get those connections established really quickly and if they are able to gel with Liana Leota as their head coach more than they did with Robinson because it did feel like there was a bit of disconnect between coaches and players last year. Yeah, agreed. Don't forget, though, that even if Brie Grierson, hopefully she will get court time, but she's also being coached by Liana Leota. You know, one mm. of the arguably one of the best wing attacks in the game. So I, I think I think she'll be all right. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers <laughs> crossed. So moving on to the bridesmaids again in fifth place, it's Saracens Mavericks. We chatted to head coach Camilla Buchanan about fresh starts, having difficult conversations and that strategic planning alongside Tamsin Greenway. It is such a pleasure to welcome Camilla Buchanan onto the pod, the head coach of Saracens Mavericks. How are you doing, Camilla? Hey, Lucy. Uh, Yeah, I'm doing great, thank you. Fully emerged in the lovely pre-season stuff, Uh, but no, life is good and um, yeah, lovely to chat to you today. 
Yeah, brilliant stuff. So we're going to chat a bit about the Mavs signing window and, you know, you've had a bit of movement, a bit of moving and shaking going on. I think it's probably fair to say that it's a bit of a new look side. A lot of key names kind of switched up for some fresh imports into the league and a few up and coming players as well. But you've also kind of retained a core of that squad to build around. So congratulations again on taking over the role from Kat Ratnapala and you're now obviously the head coach. Would you just Describe this new season as a fresh start for Mavericks. Hundred percent, yeah. And that was um, that was always the feel behind it. You know, we're looking, as you mentioned, we've got seven key players still around. Really, um, a really solid uh, core group. We've brought five new faces in, um, and then we've got three training partners that have come up from our under twenty one. So, really looking at that kind of building from within this within the the club, which is really a, a really nice prospect to have. So yeah, it was. Although we have retained some of those seven, um, it is a very. It was very much about building a fresh feel for this group. You know, we've changed training venues. There's there's been a whole host of changes that were necessary for this to feel new and to really start building something fresh and exciting for those that are joining the club, but also for those that were existing. You know, th- there's no. There's no hiding the fact that, you know, there needed to be some changes and um, so far so good. Yeah, brilliant stuff. And from a personal perspective for you, how has the transition been going from that assistant coach role into the head coach? I'll, I'll be brutally honest with you. At the start, I was crapping myself because, <laughs> um, you know, it's it, it's we're in a different day and age now where, um, you know, I, I thought about when I joined Mavericks in 2008 and my coaches at the time were uh, Kendra uh, Swalinski and uh, Maggie Jackson, right? Two household names, established coaches, well-respected. You walked into the sports hall and automatically had respect for them. In this day and age, we're experiencing seeing transitions. So I coach players that I played with, you know, I I was alongside Sasha Corbin as a colleague. I'm now coaching her. So, you know, there's that transition that you make from, from player to coach, but then also from assistant coach to head coach is also another, you know, is another ball game because it's a very different role. Um, And especially when you've come from an outfit that hasn't particularly had success and, you know, there's no hiding that, you know, there was, um, you know, we had some stuff going on at Mavs. So it was, um, it was terrifying at times because you've got to build some trust for the people that, that are sticking around and, you know, there's some respect that needs to be, you know, rebuilt. So there was, it was always going to be a really big challenge and, it's a journey that I'm on. It's, you know, it's not one that there's an end destination to. Um, but yeah, it's safe to say crapping it at start, but um, <laughs> have have kind of gone through some, you know, some real, the first few months were really, you know, really tough. Um, and we just really got our heads down. Um, and, you know, we pulled a team together. That sounds like we kind of plucked it out of, an air, out of the air, but, you know, I've, I've got a really solid group together that I'm really proud of at this stage. Um, and just, you know, really pumped to get this journey going. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's always about that progression, isn't it? And we've had a number of new uh, coaches joining the Super League this year. And so just seeing, you know, of course, Asha Francis, Joe Tripp as well. And so it's nice to see that development, but obviously it does happen in a very 
public way and under you know scrutiny from fans and you know the team as well and and what's going on and stuff like that but I'm sure you'll do a fantastic job it goes without saying as well but and you've also got the support of Tamsin alongside you which we'll come on to a bit later but I just wanted to pick up on uh coming into the coaching role obviously a lot of tough conversations probably had to be had when you're in that signing window period And one notable name missing from your squad is Kadeen Corbin, who revealed on social media that she was offered a contract to play goalkeeper and has subsequently now moved across to Team Bath. So can you give us any more detail on how that situation arose? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, it's social media is great, right? We can we can be really open with stuff. And for me, I had some really honest conversations with Kadeen. You know, we talked about where we've been for the last few years. Uh, we talked about the changes that need to be had. Um, I knew the look that I wanted for specifically the attack end in terms of Mavericks. And it was something that I needed a shift in. I needed it to feel fresh. I needed to build something new. And what I didn't want to lose what she brought to the squad. She brought, as we all saw in the back end of our season, she brought an, an amazing energy um, in that defence end. And that was the decision that I made. Uh, it was a tough one to make. It was a really tough conversation. And it was done as open as as we could as we could. Understandably, Kadeen, that that wasn't for Kadeen. So I absolutely respect that decision. It's always a tough one to make, but you know, as as head coach, you have to make these tough calls for the better of your team. And that's that was the decision I felt was that was right for this squad going forward. So yeah, I mean, look, I've got a massive history with Kadeen. As I said, we, you know, we play together as well. I've always had a really personal uh, connection with her. So uh, it was a really sad time, if I'm really honest. But I wish her genuinely nothing but success and happiness with Team Bath. We all know that she's an absolutely incredible player, right? Uh, she's a fan favourite. She gives us crowd pleasers. Um, so I'm I'm really pleased for her that she's going to be able to, you know, do that with with Team Bath. So yeah, wishing her all the best. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you for that insight as well. In terms of the rest of your squad, you've signed two new imports in New Zealand mid-quarter Lisa Mather and South African defender Monique Mayer. So what will they bring to the side and how will you balance having them in the team alongside Inna Marie Venter just in terms of compliance with the league import rules? Uh, so Lisa Mather, she's um, she actually has a British passport. So her mum is from uh, Surrey. So um, nice. that's that. Yeah. So she uh, her mum's English. So that's how she was able to get a British um, passport. So she's not actually classed as an import player, but a real treat to have her in the squad, right? Because she's she brings a New Zealand flair and flavour that really fits in nicely so far. I mean, as a person, you know, the energy is just unreal what she brings. So um, really pleased to be able to, you know, have her in the mould. And then obviously, as you mentioned, uh, Inna Marie and um, Monique, which is fantastic. Their professionalism so far, we've got them over at the moment. They're over for a really short stint just to uh, spend some time with the team before they go back to international duty. But yeah, a real professionalism that we're, you know, really excited to work with. 
Fantastic stuff. And another addition to the Maverick setup is also Tamsin Greenway, who we briefly mentioned earlier, who's the head of strategic performance. So how closely are you guys working together? And can you give us any insight into what the five-year plan or strategy for Mavericks it looks like with you at the helm? Um, so how quick, how closely are we working? Um, I'll show you my cool register. She's on speed, <laughs> she's on speed dial. Um, yeah, we, we've been working really closely over the last few months. It's been great. Um, you know, a, a lot of long conversations, meetings, late night calls, and, you know, it's been great. The support that she's, she's given me from a strategic point of view. One of the things I was, you know, really honest when I, um, when we started working together and, you know, it's no surprise. I'm someone that, ha- you know, I have a lot of, a lot of stuff going on in my, in my mind. Um, you know, I'm quite creative, but pinpointing stuff was where I really needed the, the guidance. And that's what she's really helped me with is, is the, is really nailing down what it is that, that I want to get from this group. And that that's been massive uh, in terms of the strategy and yeah, what we've built so far in, in the build up to this season, but in terms of um, a, a longer term plan, I mean, I'm on a one-year contract. I'll, I'll be really honest about that. Um, I think you know across the Super League, every you know every player is is just on a one-year contract. So, but in terms of vision, you know we we're looking at this season as being a real a real building year. We want to make sure that you know the players that we've got, we're really investing in for the long term. We've been looking at the pathway and how we can really tap into that. I mean, Sachel Grant does an amazing job with our pathway. You know, for the first season, we've got. Between between five and eight under twenty one players at Hearts Uni, which is a link that we've failed to establish in, in previous years. So we've we've got a real targeted approach to that under twenty one group and who we want to you know really build through um, Mavericks. I mean, obviously we want to focus on on the seniors that we've got, but also that kind of longer term plan as well. Yeah, exactly. It's so important to keep one eye on the future of those players coming through and and what they're going to be giving to the side in the next few years. And just moving on to talk quickly before we finish, I know you're, you're pushed for time, so I won't keep you too much longer, but just about um, the situation with Wasps, obviously very disappointing and very sad news regarding Wasps going into administration. As a team who are also partnered alongside a rugby club, what's your reaction to the news? I mean, it's it's devastating, isn't it, for for all of those people, but also for the legacy of the club. It's got a huge um, a huge history behind it. A lot of fantastic people have have got, gone through that club. It's created lifetime memories and careers for for many people. So it it's it's so sad. However, I think you know there there is potentially still opportunity for the the netball side certainly to um to have a future hopefully you know that's certainly the whispers that that are, that are working its way around but yeah it's it's tough isn't it because it seems like a really good union to make in terms of the the netball and rugby and it and it does make sense on so many on so many in so many ways um i don't think anybody was able to foresee this certainly from the outside perspective anyway but i think that you know there are certainly some lessons from this that a lot of people will be looking at again i think that the 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 partnerships. I mean, that's one thing with with Saracens. You know, we've really looked to integrate um, this season. Um, you know, in in terms of using more of the infrastructure and and merging so that we are under one umbrella, and it, it really does work. So there's there's something to be said for it. I don't know what's gone wrong. I, I don't. I you know I'm not involved with the the business end of stuff, so I so I I couldn't say. But it's it's still a really positive connection to have. It. 
obviously it you know hasn't worked out for for us netball but hopefully there's a future for them still praying to the netball gods that that can <laughs> that that can work out for them yeah absolutely it'll be it'll be devastating to see those players uncontracted for this year and and for the club as well the the legacy you mentioned there thank you so much for that insight as well camilla just finally before we finish not to dwell on the um, on the negatives, but Mavericks, of course, haven't made top four since 2016, finishing fifth in four seasons consecutively from 2018 up until last year. It always seems like on paper, Mavs have the squad to do it, but they've just fallen short. How are you going to make sure that that doesn't happen again in the future? I mean, you're not wrong with all of those stats. They, they speak for themselves. Um, as I said, for me, this season is about building. And I've been really clear with the expectations with this group. Everyone that's come in um, has had a real clear understanding of where I see them in the squad. And for me, it's about, I'm really looking at building the group and building a group of people that are really clear on their purpose, really clear on the expectations and giving them the confidence to be able to meet those expectations if I'm really honest, I think, you know, one of the things that potentially has been missing from this group has been clarity. And I think with the talent that we have, if we can inject a few of those things, the the results will speak for themselves. I'm not coming here saying, you know, you know, we, we're going to, you know, we're going to knock it out the park. Um, we, it's a building phase and it very much needs work from the inside out and creating a group of people that work really well together. So, yeah, you know, we've we've got the players on paper. We've always had the players on paper, um, but it's about connecting the dots. And, and that's where this off-season work has been really crucial uh, to make sure that there's real clarity on going forward. Sorry if that sounds really vague. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. I, I, in my head, it makes sense. But yeah, uh, this group needs clarity and purpose with some expectations and confidence to meet that. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Thank you so, so much, Camilla. That's really, really interesting. I've loved your insight into all different areas and I'm really excited to see what Mavericks put out there this year. Cool. Thank you so much, Lucy. Thanks for your time. And um, yeah, great work on the pod. I mean, I love chatting to Camilla. Like, what what did you think of that interview, Lucy? Oh, I thought she's great. She's so open, isn't she? You know, when she just said, when I first got the job, I was crapping myself. (laughs) (laughs) That made me laugh so much because it's just... It's great to have that kind of level of openness and honesty from her, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how she grows in confidence in herself as a head coach over this year. And I'm just wishing all the luck in the world for her and just that they don't have injuries and that they can make this group settle and gel because I think, you know, she's such a great coach and she really deserves every success. Yeah. And I don't think we can underestimate the impacts that Tamsin will have from a strategic Mm. sort of backroom perspective as well. You know, one of the best netball brains in the game. So yeah, really interesting. But obviously they've lost Kadeen Corbin, Gabby Marshall, Georgia Lees, Chloe Essam. They've all gone, but they have retained Venter, Sasha Corbin, Zaranika, Quashi and Gibson. And they've got their imports and they've got Kira Rothwell. So Again, probably on paper, you would say they'd have to be right up there. Yeah, the trouble is we've said that for a few teams Mm. and somebody's got to miss out. And I would say it might be a year too soon for this group, Yeah, Yeah. but it doesn't mean that they won't pull it off. 
Yeah, yeah, 100%. So finishing inside the top four for the first time in their history this year was, of course, London Pulse. A few changes for them, uh, but not too many. They've retained their core group and their depth defensively, which is great. Huge, 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 <laughs> huge, 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 huge signings of Chelsea Pittman and Jade Clark, which is massive for them. Mm. My only concern is quite a green shooting end. So Sasha McDonald and Cheen were developing nicely last year, but it's whether they can stand up to the pressure at crunch time. And we're talking, you know, grand final, big guns, the crunch time. Also, what are they going to do with all those midcourt players and defenders? I mean, there's just way too many. They could honestly field two squads with the number mm. of players they have. The usual suspects have obviously been retained. Fadoju, Everett, Keeble, Adios returning from injury, plus Ratu and Decker as well. There's a lot of depth there. Yeah, I mean, I suspect that Decker probably won't get as much court time this year. And I, again, similarly, my concerns with Brie Grierson, I have the same fear with Ellie Ratu you know, having to sit behind Jade Clark. But then again, she's learning from one of the best in the game in the same mm. way, you know, that that Brie would be. So hopefully she does still get some decent court time because she's really, really growing. Like she's such an exciting player for me. And mm. I, I would absolutely put my money on them being a top four team next year. I, oh, possibly grand final. I don't know. I it's. I think it's a bit too early to call. I want to see some preseason games before I I go that far. But I mm-hmm. think if they don't make top four, something's gone horribly wrong. Yeah, agreed. So finishing in third last year for the second year running, it's Team Bath. We spoke to new head coach Asha Francis about her new look and youthful side being in a building phase and what her youngsters can bring to the competition. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome Asha Francis onto the pod. How are you doing, Asha? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Good. Um, So we'll just dive straight in. You've obviously got a number of new additions to the squad for the 2023 season, plus a couple of players returning to the side after a few seasons elsewhere. What's the kind of game plan around integrating your new players and building those team units and connections during the off-season? Well, firstly, I think it's it, it's it is quite nice that there is sort of a, a mixture of old and new, especially as we're sort of trying to transition and have a little bit of a change in perhaps the approach and way we're doing things. So it's really nice that the group's almost fresh. So everybody's got a fresh start coming into what it is that we're trying to to build and create. So, but yeah, there there is. Um, a lot of time in this preseason that we're going to be really looking at trying to figure out how we build the um, relationships and how everybody gets to know each other. Um, we, we do have quite a long time in, in the sense that preseason can be quite, quite a long period. Um, and actually there's only one girl in, in, in Jada who really is going to be sort of coming in and out and who's new, new, new to the club. Um, but with Imo and Tash having been here for a few seasons, there's a lot of the girls who do who do know them. So um, it kind of impacts less the fact that they're not always around. But there we have a really big core group who are going to be around for the majority of preseason, which gives us that real luxury of spending as much time together as possible, building relationships off the court as well as on the court. So there's some focus on 
team building um, activities and weekends that we're going to build in as well as all of the stuff on court. So we really can try to build those connections so that by the time we come to February, you know, we're really firing. We know who each other are. We know what their strengths and weaknesses are and we know how we can work together effectively as a team. And you mentioned there that it's a relatively young squad. Yeah. Um, I think your average age is actually just 22, which is yeah. pretty impressive. But, you know, saying that Pulse made top four last year and I think their yeah. average age was 21 point something or 22 something. Yeah. And, you know, despite being the team who've won the Super League the highest number amount of times, Team Bath haven't won a final since 2013. So with that in mind and the young age, average age of the squad, would yeah. you say it's it's fair to say that this is the start of a building phase for Team Bath? Yeah, so, so 2013, that was actually, I was the captain of that team. That's how long ago that was. And obviously <laughs> they've not played for a little while. So I think, yeah, we do, we do know, you know, we're steeped in history and steeped in a lot of... Um, success but as you say like that success hasn't necessarily come like pushing it will be 10 years next year um so yeah I think you know like we we don't want to just be there making up the numbers we obviously really want to compete and be pushing but I do think that we we do yes need to be mindful of the fact that there there is a lot of young players in the group but I think that's what's the most exciting element is that we we haven't been talking about things purely based on this season and this season only we really want to talk about well where are we at now and what are we looking to build towards over not this season but many seasons to come and and establishing where do players want to be what do they want to achieve and how can we create an environment that's really going to push and enable them to get there but it might take a little while. They might surprise us and we might be, I think there's just that little bit of that unknown, that unknown entity with them. But I think also with that young age, that does come sense of like real fearlessness, like we've seen in Pulse, like the, the fact that let's just go for it. The expectations might be a little bit less, the weight's a little bit less on their shoulders around maybe what externally people think that they can achieve. But as long as us as a group really stay true to what it is we're working towards and want to achieve and what success is, then I think we will just build and build and we'll see where the season takes us. Yeah, absolutely. And I was looking back at all of the finishing positions of Team Bar for the last sort of eight or so years. And I, I don't think you've actually finished outside of the top four in you know most people's Super League memory. Do you think yeah. that brings additional pressure that you have to be within that top four? I think there's always that pressure, you know, the, for potentially from, you know, like the, the fans, like they, they, it's great that they support a team that is really successful. And you're right. I think there's only been one time that we have been outside of that um, top four I, th- I think there is some potential in that expectation, but it's just what you do with that pressure and actually whether we, we need to worry about the pressure and expectation when actually we know internally what it is that we that we want to do and that what we want to achieve. You know, they'll put pressure on themselves to potentially be in, in that position. But I think a lot of what we've talked about and reiterated this season is, you know, we could talk about wanting to make it to the top four but we really need to actually focus on what is the process that we want to go through? How do we want to play? What do we want to learn? Where do we want to be successful? And the outcome will then take care of itself almost. So we'll see whether we end up. But if if I could just say, yeah, we're going to be top four, I'm not necessarily holding the players accountable for all of the things in the process that we need to be doing. So there will be some pressure, I'm sh- I'm sure, but we, it's just we're just going to ride that pressure, ride that wave, and, and see see how we go. 
Yeah, take each day as it comes. I like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. And you spoke earlier about building those connections with the players on court and those sort of, um, you know, units. But obviously there's that relationship building between yourself as uh, and the players as well. And, and yeah. you're new to the head coach role, but yeah. obviously a very familiar face within the team bath setup. So what knowledge do you think that you'll bring to the team, having been a key part of the successful bath squads from over the years? I think some of the things I bring are around, um, I guess, knowing what the full-time program was like when, you know, Lynn Gunson was around. And I know that name gets thrown around a lot, but <laughs> just thinking around, really trying to reflect what were the things that she she did really well? What was really impactful? What was she teaching us? What were the 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 soft touch moments that she had, the the things where she really knew who we were. So I've spent a lot of time, you know, I've got a little spreadsheet with, you know, the players' names on and, and I'm constantly scanning and observing that, oh, what you know, what is this player's strength? What makes this player tick? Which areas do I need to really push and support? And, and I think the fact that um, I'm in and around the, the building like in the office a lot I, I get a lot of those moments where I really get to see the players off the court and and know what they're like off the court know who they are and I think that's really key looked at the program and what the program was and really tried to pick all of the positive things that I've learned across the years as a as a player under all of the coaches that have been at Team Bath um, and think, yeah, I like that. I want to use that. This bit is not me. I think I have to be authentic to who I am as well and what bits are important to me. So yeah, really just trying to take the best of everything that I've learned over the years and put it into the program, my expectations of the players, the way that I want them to feel, the way I want them to play the game. Yeah, and been really working on how I'm really explicit with all of those things so they understand exactly what it is that I'm looking for and and exactly who I am as a coach. I, I find that really interesting, who you are as a coach. And I think it's probably fair to say as well that for the majority of netball fans, unless you're a bit of a diehard team bar fan, yeah. um, you might be somewhat more of an unknown to, yep. to fans. So what are you like as a coach? Who are you as a coach? <laughs> I say, well, lots of people say I'm very, I'm a, a horizontal person as I'm, I'm quite laid back. I'm quite relaxed. And I think I do have that sort of um, laid back a- approach. And I probably was like that as a player as well. People always think she's not doing anything. And then all of a sudden I was doing something. Um, so I think in terms of myself as a coach, I really, the biggest part for me is really trying to empower the girls to, to play the game, make decisions on the court actually with without you know without me almost making myself redundant you know they're the ones that are out on the court it's all very well us being excellent um video analysts and being able to really read the game when we're off the court and watching and it's in slow-mo and all this but we have to be really effective at doing that on the court and so for me that's that's what I'm trying to build what I'm trying to create as a coach is just you guys have to make the decisions I need to effectively give you the tools to see the game live and be able to adapt, be able to tactically know what's going on, be able to recognize what's happening in the opposition or in yourself and all of that stuff you kind of can do off the court, but, but onto the court. So those are the bits that are really important to me. And that's, that's all I'm trying to do with this group is basically, you know, just sit on the sideline and watch you, 
watch you rock and <laughs> you guys go you know <laughs> just watching a great game it's, yeah, exactly, I love it. <laughs> exactly yeah so that's really sort of my approach and, and how I really want to empower the girls to feel like they can go on the court and be fearless in what they're trying to do and and also giving them the capacity to not be afraid to make a mistake knowing that they're going to grow from those things they're going to learn from those things and ultimately better themselves if not in right now but looking to the future so we've spoken about a number of different factors about the young age of your squad about the fact this is your first head coach role yeah what do you think are going to be the the main challenges that you'll face in this first year oh gosh um I've already faced some. I think some <laughs> of the challenges are just around the players really getting their head around the the way that things are being done. So slightly less traditional, I guess, in in how I'm approaching maybe the sessions and the and the coaching and and getting the girls used to that and and feeling comfortable with hey this is this is a bit different, um, but you know let's let's full on go for it and see how how it works. Um, I think there are obviously challenges, as we know, around integrating the players that aren't with you all the time. So it's it's really easy to try and, you know, get people on side and work with people as you see them day out and things build and they have those light bulb moments or they might have difficult moments. But keeping those players connected that are off on international duty can be quite difficult in terms of when they come back in, really maximising the time you have and really making them feel part of where the rest of the group is going. How much time you have to, to give to the role. You'd love to give all of yourself, but the reality is that I'm also then balancing between family. It's not necessarily a full-time role either. So there's like small little bits like that. But yeah, I think as I, as I hit every bump, it's trying to think, okay, I could sit here and whinge about these things or what, you know, what are we going to do? What are, how are we going to just make it better? Because they are what they are. Um, so how do we make the best out of each of those situations? Mm. And you've spoken a bit, there, a bit there about the sort of individual players. So if we, to sort of round us off, if we take a look at the actual squad itself, yeah. you've got a lovely little mixture of some roses in there. You've got returning really senior players like Kadeen Corbin. Yeah. If you break it into each third of the court, if we start off with the shooters, yeah. what do you think that the players that you've signed really bring to that shooting end? So I think obviously with the likes of Kadine, she's going to be, for me, she is so creative. She's got so much flair, but I think the, the biggest part for me is then to, to really help her come into her own in terms of controlling that, that end and not getting too emotionally involved. So I think that would be a really key. If we can get that, you know, Kadine will just, she'll just fly and she'll just take control of that and um, she'll bring that spark in the circle and I think like with Betsy and Hannah although both tall and can both hold Betsy's got um, you know a little bit more movement about her some real capacity to do some nice interchanges with this in that shooting end or Hannah who'd be like a real big target for us um, which would be interesting because I feel like Bath haven't had a, a target shooter you know for quite a while we've always had that really rotating circle so it'd be exciting to have some of that variation and 
I think Sophie will just bring that sort of, we saw her debut for Storm and it's just that sort of fearlessness, like I'm, I'm this young, I'm just going to go out there and, and do my thing and, and learn from each experience and not be faced by any of it. So that'll be, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I'm this young and I'm this good. It yeah, was yeah. Uh, pretty spectacular. Yeah. So if we take a look at the middies, then um, you've got Beth and Dyke, which is a huge pickup. The form that she has come into has just been <laughs> sensational. Um, you've got Alison, you've got Catelyn, and you've got Ali Wilshire over yeah. from Southern Steel. Tell us a little bit about that midcourt. It's a really interesting blend. Yeah, so I think probably the midcourt is the most experienced in terms of time in either Super League or New Zealand League. So, yeah, I think like I've told Bethan, she's not allowed to peak too soon. Like, <laughs> I know she's got a Welsh stuff and she, you know, she is. I'm just thinking, can we just sustain this all the way till February <laughs> and through that? But yeah, like she's come into some great form. Um, when I spoke to Melissa, when I was going through the recruitment period, like she's just a really excellent person. And I think she's going to add so much value and leadership, um, especially down that end. So really helping, again, control and manipulate what's going on down there. I think Ali's just going to bring some, like a whole nother level of speed and and power through the midcourt and real real confidence. Um, so I can't wait. She's coming. She's actually coming here on the 30th of October. So I'll have her, yeah, very soon. And again, all the way through the preseason. So that'll be exciting. And I think they were really key because I felt like Imo last year was really kind of forced to come into centre because of um, Serena obviously being pregnant and then the rest of the the makeup of that group. And I think this will, you know, we've got some centres now there, but it'll still give her that opportunity if, if needed to bring her into that role, but also give her the capacity to really focus on that, that wing, that wing defence role which she didn't get to play so much of last season um and then actually Kirsty Harris I've pushed Lily May back into my defensive group so Kirsty Harris is um yeah she she was sort of a breakthrough last season in terms of how much court time she had and the way that she was was playing so I think for her it's going to be that great opportunity to soak up all of that knowledge and have you know be working with Bethan and Ali in particular and her two two positions to really just take in all of the things that they have to offer her and and yeah grow because she you know she was brilliant she's got some really excellent aspects to her game but I think just growing in maturity and that leadership role down there she'll get that in abundance from Ali and and Bethan supporting her yeah absolutely a really dynamic midcourt there and then finally yeah. your defenders obviously we've got Summer Artman Jada Peckerval is a really interesting pickup she was sensational for Pulse in the minutes that she got last season yeah. Tash Pavlin is so much strength there tell us a bit about the defensive end yeah so I think you know as much as people are most likely this season going to be talking about Layla Guscoff being missing I I am just so genuinely excited about Tash having the capacity to show us what she can do in that goal defence position. She's showed us already she could be quality pretty much wherever you put her in that defensive end. But, you know, she's got some real aspirations for what she wants to achieve. And I think it's going to be brilliant to see her out there at goal defence after having sort of watched and learned from Layla. Now here's your, here's your chance. You've got to go. You've got to go and run with it. Um 
yeah, Jada can obviously, like, she's mainly a goalkeeper. We're, we're, she's dabbling in goal defence at Bucks at the moment. So wanting to really push her in terms of giving her that, that second position. And also she's so young. Again, you know, she's going to soak up all of the knowledge um, from those players. And Summer... Summer is just a massive, massive team player and she's got so much voice and knowledge and, and wants to share it with everybody. And she's going to be a really great leader, I think, down down there in terms of her voice and what she demands. Um, and Lily May as well. Like we didn't see a lot of Lily May last season, but I think, you know, this season she's she's here already. She's come back to the UK. She's going to have a full preseason with us. She's hopefully not going to injure her shoulder again, sadly, like she did last season. But yeah, I'm really excited because she, again, like she is a real guardian of our culture. And she was that first person that I re-recruited last season purely because I knew that she was the best person to have in the environment and really help us build the culture we want to build. So um, I'm just really excited for her in terms of her physical build-up to the season to really have an opportunity to show what she can do on the court and not just be valuable in terms of the voice and the supportive nature of her, but actually she can kick some butt out there on the court as well. Oh, and we can't wait to see you guys <laughs> kick butt. It's going to be really, really exciting to see what you guys put out there as such a young, fresh squad. Thank you so much for coming on, Asha. It's been great to get to know you and your team a little bit better and wish you all the best of luck for 2023 season. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it too. I've, it's such an unknown this season with so, so much movement. It's going to be hard to predict. But yeah, I can't wait to actually see it all put together and and see what happens with all of the teams as well as with ours so thank you very much for having me A really interesting chat with Asha, actually. I found it fascinating that she's described as a horizontal coach because she's really laid back. That really made me laugh. But I actually wonder about how some players will respond to that, you know? It might be that it's quite good for the younger players where they just are encouraged to relax and enjoy it, have fun and go out there. You know, don't forget how young that squad is. You know, Mm. they've lost a lot of experience and not necessarily swapped like for like as some of the other teams have. Yeah, 100%. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Ali Wilshire can do as they, she was absolutely right with sort of Imogen Allison being kind of thrust into that centre position with Guthrie being out. So um, really hoping that she can get some decent court time. But also I want to see Tash Pavlin shine. Like she mm. is such an exciting up and coming defender. So yeah, I really want to see her flourish this year. Yeah, I think we will. I think we will. Our runners-up this year were, of course, Loughborough Lightning. After that terrible, terrible injury to Ella Clark in the 2022 Grand Final, they've only gone and recruited Rhea Dixon. <laughs> what? They've also got Jazz Audio Baron back from Pulse, who replaces Ella Bowen. Fantastic retention. And do you know what? To me, that is the sign of a happy camp. Mm-hmm. They all get along well. They know their role. You know, you've got your Cholock, Panagari, Joseph, Cobden, Harvey Williams. They've got this core to the squad that have been there for many, many years. And I think that they will have their eyes firmly set on a grand final. I think it's going to be pretty pink and purple in that grand final next year. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that's where 
the sort of contrast between what Camilla was saying with Mavericks about needing the clarity for the players on court. I think that is something that Loughborough Lightning absolutely have in spades. Like all those players know what they're in that squad to deliver. They know what the role that they play on court, well, both on court and off court. So yeah, very happy camp indeed, I would say. Finally, on to our 2022 champions, it's Manchester Thunder. Now, interestingly, they've had a few pretty major losses. They've lost four huge names in Mvula, Malcolm Cardwell, who are heading to ANZ and SSN, and of course, Carolina Hanlon to Rhinos. Now, they that's pretty much your spine of the team. They've lost yeah. the entire spine. But that being said, they've had a lot of their former pathway players return, including Amy Clinton, Iona Christian, Taylor McEvitt, Ella Bowen, and they've signed Lenise Potgita and Amy Carter's back from injury. They've retained Metcalf, Almond, and Vandermeer. So still a really, really strong squad. Like you can't argue with that, really. Yeah, I think they're in a building phase now, but they're just the way that where they're building is like slightly higher than everyone else because they've got such a good foundation. I think they won't win this year, Mm -hmm. but they should be in the top four with the squad that they have. I just don't think they have necessarily the experience to come off the bench as they did last season. But who knows? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is it? I think people might come for me if I say I'm not sure if they'll get a top four, but I, I think because of the strength of those that they've lost, like a Caroline O'Hanlon is so just next level elite. That is a major loss. Same as Ellie Cargra, same as Joyce and Vula. I just think they've lost too much strength, even though they've got strong players underneath. Mm. Potentially they could even be a fifth place for me. Do you I think? don't know. Yeah, well, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if I'm being stupid. I'm a bit on the fence. Mm. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. She's very one-dimensional sometimes in how she plays and that she won't shoot anything really that's less than a, a, or more than a metre away from the post. Yeah, so different to Cardwell. So different. And I, yeah, it's going to be about how they balance and sort of integrate that and, Mm. and change the structures in order to accommodate that. And I think as well, you know, don't forget, as you mentioned earlier, Tracy Neville going down to be assistant coach at the Thunderbirds and SSN, that is a huge loss on the coaching bench as well. So not yeah. only from the players, but from the coaches as well. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Okay, Luce, before we wrap up, oh God. top four predictions. <laughs> oh, I don't even know if I can do this. In order? No, no, just top four. Okay, great. Thank God. I would say. Uh, Lightning Pulse Rhinos with some certainty. And then it's that fourth one for me. I just, I really don't know. Um, I would say either Storm or Thunder. Are you going to make me commit? Are you going to make me commit? Um, Thunder. Okay, so you're saying Thunder, Lightning Pulse and Rhinos. Yep. Yep. Okay. Go on then, yeah. hit me. Hit I'm me gonna yours. say, I'm gonna say <laughs> lightning. Yep. Pulse. Yep. Storm. Mm-hmm. And rhinos. Oh no, but what about thunder? No, I'm stopping. Oh, this, I'm stopping. This is the thing. I just it's hard to tell with thunder. It you is know? so close, but it's actually now not just 
what's the top four going to be and who's going to fall, you know, who's going to be the fifth place. It's actually like six or seven, Mm. very, very close, I think. And also we haven't even seen some of these other teams basically, you know, and how much they've progressed in the off season, et cetera. So, I mean, you know, Stars and Bath could come and completely surprise us all, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So who, who, Lightning, Pulse. Lightning, yeah, Pulse, Storm. Storm and Rhinos. Um, no, Rhinos. Thunder. No, I'm going Thunder. I'm going Thunder. I don't thunder. want Karen Greg to come at me. <laughs> <laughs> so Lightning, Pulse, Storm, Thunder. Okay, yeah. so the only one that we differ on then is Storm and uh, Rhinos. Rhinos. But it okay. could easily be also Mavs. Yeah, 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 you know. Oh, so, so interesting. We honestly cannot wait for February to roll around so we can see all of this unfold. Thank you so, so much for listening to this super special signing window episode of Quarter Time Podcast. We'll be doing another live podcast following the England Roses versus Australia series, which... I, actually, I won't. I won't give you my predictions now. I'll wait. Okay. Um, <laughs> but stay tuned for the announcement of that coming out very soon. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at Quarter Time Pod for the latest netball updates. Get involved in the conversation online by letting us know what you think of the signings this season and which teams you think will make it into the top four in 2023. Yeah, come and tell us that we're wrong, you know, who do you think is going to make it in? Really interesting. Uh, We'd also really appreciate it if you could just take a moment to rate and review the podcast as it helps other people to find us and it helps us to grow. If you enjoy listening to the pod, do let us know and spread the word with your netball pals so that even more people can get involved. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you very soon. Bye. Bye.